Moms, we just again want to say happy Mother's Day to you. It's wonderful that you're here and we get to celebrate all that God has given to us in the form of a mother. My mom's been gone now for be 20 years this year, as a matter of fact. It's been a long, long time, and I miss those conversations we used to have. This, we want to just have a special time of prayer in just a moment for you, but we want to bring you up to date also with what's happening with some of the moms within the church, because while this is a great day of celebration, for instance, is there anybody that this is your first Mother's Day this year? No first Mother's Day? Mother? Okay. Last year, as a matter of fact, it was what... Um, Christina, yeah, was, was brand new. Here, okay, that's all right. We've got lots of moms here that have lots of kids and many years of experience. It's good. But we know of at least one mom that this will probably be her last Mother's Day. Eunice Hagley is right now waiting to go home. That's basically what, what happened. Uh, earlier in the week, she had surgery. I was there and I prayed with her and she was able to recognize. And of course, she's, Alzheimer's has been stealing Eunice for a long, long time. Uh, but she was still awake and, and we could talk. But after the surgery, the Alzheimer just took her completely. And she's never, when she opens her eyes, there's no recognition there whatsoever. It's just gone now. And so uh, she's in hospice care. And we're just waiting for the Lord to choose his timing which probably will be sometime in the next few days. So we want to remember the Hagley family and lift her up and Terry as well. It's a hard day. But also at this particular point in time, I wanted you to know that uh, I just received a phone call. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Johnstons family. Um, Don and, and uh, Lewis, and they've got several kids. One of them is Shelby. Shelby is in the middle school, but uh, Shelby has some, some issues with some seizures, and she wears a, a heart monitor and some other electrical device. Well, a couple weeks ago, they went in to put in new batteries for that, and I just received a phone call that the incision, while the surgery was great, the incision has become so infected that they are right now on their way to Dornbecker where they'll have to take it out, and then they don't know what they're going to do next after that. And so we want to pray for, for Shelby, but... This is Mother's Day, and there's Dawn on her way to Dornbecker. Okay, sometimes Mother's Day is a great day of celebration. For those of us who lost our moms long ago, there's a, there's a sadness as well. Linda is down with her mom in Southern California. That's a very special weekend for her to be able to go, to, to go do that. This is what I'd like to do. I would love for you in the next few moments, we're going to show you a little video called A Mother's Day Blessing. And during that time, would you be praying for... These requests I just laid out for, for the Hagley family and for the Johnstons family and other mothers and families that you know that are struggling right now. And then when that's all done, I'd like to have just a special prayer of blessing over all the moms. But let's take a few moments and lift these people up to the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we are grateful. Grateful for your goodness in creating mothers. You gave them eyes to watch over us and ears to listen to our joys and struggles, our laughter and tears. You gave them legs to run to us when we fall and arms to pick us up again, to hold us as we cry or cradle us while we sleep. You gave them hands to wipe away the tears brush the hair from our eyes and dirt from our faces to hold when we're scared or when we want to dance or when we just need a little help 
You gave them mouths to kiss away the pain, and voices to encourage and comfort, to pray with us and for us. You gave them minds full of ideas and wisdom, and hearts full of love. God, on this Mother's Day, bless our mothers. Give them your strength, peace, and love, so they may continue to give it away to all those around them. Amen. And moms, could I ask you just to stand where you are, please? If you could just do that. And then the uh, those around, if you would be praying for the people that are standing up around you. And husbands, that means we pray for our wives because we honor what they do in, in our children's lives. And kids, that means we pray for our moms. But let's pray right now. Father, thank you so much. We call you Father because that's the tradition that we have. But there are lots of times within Scripture you reveal a mother's heart to us because you are not male or female. You created us, Father, in your image of love and mercy and grace. And when you created us, Father, you know that we would need the male influence in our lives. But, Father, you also knew we would need a mom. Father, thank you so much that your love is reflected in their love for us. We thank you for those times that we've been able to see you through how our mothers have dealt with us. And, Father, for the times that they have been more human than you. Well, Father, that's true of all of us. Help us to look past all of that, to see their hearts, to know what they wanted for us. And Father, thank you so much that you work within them and you give them the strength and the courage and the mercy and the grace to do their jobs. Father, there are several that we have to lift up to you now and we leave them with you because you are a God of mercy and grace and healing. But Father, you are so good to us. We, we, we tend to look at insignificant things, insignificant blessings, the, the, the blessings of money or cars or status or the things that this world seems as important. But Father, we know that those things mean so little to you. They pass away. But the love of the mother, your love reflected through them, that changes our lives and touches our hearts. Father, we are grateful. Help each one of us to know what it means to honor the women around us, to lift them up, to pray for them, to understand the difficult task you've given them. And Father, to be intercessors for them right to your throne. Thank you, Father. We accept that responsibility in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated, moms. And I hope you have a wonderful day, whatever the rest of the day is going to be. As I said, Linda is um, currently down with her mom, so we've already... That was her Mother's Day present. She left very... Uh, she, right after work on Friday, she'll be back late, late tonight, but she gets to go be with her mom and, of course, her dad as well, who is not doing very well at this point. Um, he's just slowing down. He's 87, and it's kind of catching up with him, so it's good for her to be able to go on down there and 
So here we are. We are still in our series all about the church. This is a, a, a picture of our building. That is not the church. Remember, I told you that last week, time and time again. Don't drive past and say, hey, that's my church. It's not your church, okay? That's the building. That's where your church meets. That's the meeting house. Maybe we should go back to that phraseology, you know. Hey, that's where my church meets. That's okay. That's my church building. Oh, by the way, I told you a couple weeks ago that God has blessed us because this building is probably worth like $2 million. Well, we just got our insurance estimate this last week. Seven and a half million is what they insure it for. So, uh, wow, Father, thank you so much for an incredible facility right here, along with the half, half million dollars a year that we bring in and we use for ministry and all the hours that go into ministry right here. But every now and then you've got to stop and you've got to ask yourself this. What are we doing here? Okay, we're here. We've got a building worth you know, seven million dollars We've, we've already brought in and spent over the last 10 years, what, $5 million on top of that. Why? I mean, why? Now, you can say, well, because it makes me feel good, except could I tell you that the kingdom doesn't revolve around you or how you feel, all right? So let's, let's just get rid of that one. Why are we here? What are we doing here? Now, what we've been talking about is the fact that, that Jesus understood why he was here. He had a purpose, he had a mission, he had a vision, okay? Remember this? We looked at the very first week. Here it is. The purpose of Jesus was to bring life to a dying world and reconcile us to God. That's why he came. Why did Jesus show up here? To bring life to a dying world and reconcile us to God, which means his mission, the things that he did was this. This was his mission. To reveal God and then give his life for us. In other words, if you want it simply, was to preach, then die, okay? He came to preach God, to reveal this is what God is like, and then give his life as a ransom for many. That's why he, that was his mission. And in his vision, what did he want to see accomplished? Well, here was his vision. His vision was this, that all people everywhere would come to know God. Jesus has a heart for all people. He would see people that were lost and would break his heart. His vision was that everybody everywhere would come to know God. That was his purpose, his mission, and his vision. And all of us should, should follow that example. All of us should have our own purpose, mission. Do you know why you're here? Do you know what you're here to do? What do you want to see accomplished when it's all over? Why are you here? What are you supposed to do? And what do you want to see accomplished? When you close your eyes that last time, you look back and say, I did it. This is what I wanted. Okay? Purpose, mission. Well, that's true for people, but it's true for churches as well. And when we take a look at a building that's worth almost $8 million and we're bringing in all this money and we're spending all these man hours and all these volunteer hours, why? Well, here it is. Ready? This is our purpose right here. We believe that we are here on this corner for this particular reason. Here is the purpose of our church right here. Our purpose. We believe. As a matter of fact, read this with me, okay? Our purpose We believe our church exists to be a visible sign to our community, the living proof of the reality of God who, because of his great love, is reaching out to everyone through his son Jesus. Stop right there. Words are cheap. Everybody around here has heard about Jesus Christ. They've heard the gospel so many times they're hard to it. We have to show them and prove to them. We want to be able to say, you know how we can prove to you or the evidence of God here in this area? Take a look at that church. That's a church that loves God. Something's going on there. We know that there's a God or there's the evidence of God because that church is right there. That's what we're trying to do. Which means here's our mission. Here's the things that we're trying to do. Read it with me. Our mission. 
With this in mind, we are striving to demonstrate lives clearly changed through a daily walk with God and to extend to our community God's gracious invitation to join with Him. Stop again. Okay. I used to, when I first started a ministry many, many decades ago, what I would do is I would try to teach people how to share the gospel. We'd go door to door and we would say, have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you were to die tonight, you'd go to heaven? Okay. I can teach you all that stuff. The problem is they've heard it. What we're trying to do here is not just to learn those words. And I can teach you those words. As a matter of fact, I have a class coming up in the next month called 401 where we'll teach you about testimony, that kind of thing. We'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. But so what? If our lives don't demonstrate this, then it's just words. It's just people have had enough of words. They have to be able to see something. We're striving not to learn a a, a memorized presentation of the gospel. We're striving to be the type of people whose lives have been changed in a clear way so that people can see that there is a God. Because we're not the same people we were. We're different types of people. We handle things differently. We handle our finances differently. We handle struggles within the church differently. We handle interpersonal relationships differently. We're not like everybody else. Okay? That's our mission. That's what we want to do. Okay. Here's our vision. Our vision. Our goal is to become a healthy family of people. Strongly committed to God and each other collectively reflecting a true picture of Jesus here on earth, welcoming and accepting all those who desire to join us on the journey. Did you see what what we're talking about here? How do we really demonstrate the presence of God, the reality of God? It's how we treat each other. That's why we're called a church. It's not about you being an individual and we turn you into some super Christian and you go out there and you shine, shine, shine. Now, we're going to go out there and shine, shine, shine. Sure, of course. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples because you're super Christian. You go out and shine, shine, shine. He said what? They will know you're my disciples because of the love you have for one another. That's why the church is so important. That's why being part of a church is so important. This is how God demonstrates his reality to the world, not through individuals, but collectively through a church that learns to love, care, be accepting, hold to our standards, preach the truth, but welcome anybody that walks in those doors and says, hey, if you want to come with us, come. That's what we want to see. We want to see a church body that loves so much and loves one another so much. And there's four things. Now, here's the simple part, okay? If these are too long for you to remember, and I understand that, here's the four things we do. Ready? We know, grow, go, and show. Say that with me. Know, grow, go, show. See, that you can put on a bumper sticker, can't you? Yeah. There it is. Now, let's expand those just a little bit. You're into your sermon notes now if you want to get into those. Here we go. First of all, we know God through Jesus. That's the first thing we do. Then we grow in our love for God and each other and in the image of Jesus. And then after we know God through Jesus and we grow in our love as we're doing that, we go to engage our community in the world so that we can do this. Show what lives transformed by a relationship with God through Jesus. That's what we want to do. We want to show them what that life is like. We want to show them a transformed life, okay? 
We know God, we grow, then we go, and we show. That's pretty simple to remember, isn't it? Okay, good. You can get that in your heads. Next week, I'm gonna, we're going to test you on this. So I'm not going to give you that. I'm just going to give you the blanks and see what you can do with it. And if you don't know, know grow, go, then I'm not doing my job. Here we go. All right, last week we were focused on knowing God and the fact that you can know him. First of all, you know him through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. You can't know him, really know him, any other way. You can know about him through creation. But if you really want to know God, it must be through faith in Jesus Christ, through what Jesus Christ has done, receiving him. You begin that relationship with God and you get to know him for the very first time. Then you can know about him as you study and you learn, and that's important. Because anybody that you love, you want to study them. You want to find out what's important to them. You want to find out what they think and, and, and why they do what they do. Well, we study, and we have so many opportunities right here in this church to help you do that. And then you know him through those intentional times of meeting with him, both individually and corporately, specifically prayer times and worship. Okay? That's how we come to, to really get to know him. If you're going to know somebody, you're going to have to spend time with them. Currently today in the world out there with the social media, you can theoretically know many, many people. How many of you have friends? Some of you have like 20, 30, 40, 50 friends or more. Some of you maybe have Twitter followers. I have no idea. And, and you can send off all these little text messages in 140 characters or whatever. And, and you've got all those bits. Do you really know them? You can actually begin to have a conversation with somebody on the other side of the world, and in 140 characters, you can send some information back and forth, but do you really know them? And I'm going to say, no, you can't know them. You can't possibly know them until you really spend time with them. It's the same thing with God. Well, sometimes we want to, we want to send our, our, our little Twitter prayers, which are not bad, those 140-character prayers. If you really want to get to know him, you've got to spend time with him. Yes, he's with you all the time. I understand that. But most of the time, let's face it, we're ignoring him. He's there. We're just not talking to him. We have to intentionally set aside time to be with him. Prayer, worship, individually, collectively. That's how we know God. Now, we are moving on. Ready? Here we go. Knowing God through faith is only the starting point. Oh, I wish I'd known this so long ago. When I first came to faith in Jesus Christ, pretty much... Knowing God in, through faith was it. Are you saved? Great. Boom. There you go. Uh, that's, what, that's the whole point. Is your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Okay, if it is, great. You got it. Sit around with us, wait, sing a few songs, have a potluck every now and then, you got it. That was church. At least my experience in church as a teenager. It was later on I found out that, oh my, that's, I just walked in the door of God. I just, I, Jesus just got me in the door. <laughs> There's so much more out there that he wants for me. Knowing God through faith is only the starting point. My father wants so much. And you say, yes, he wants me to have great things. He wants me to have new cars. He wants me to have money. He wants me to have fame. No, we're not talking about those types of things. You know what he wants for you? Here it is. He wants me to grow up. Now, that should make sense to every parent here. I remember the first time we took Jason home from the hospital. This would have been June, probably 6th, maybe 7th. I think he was born on the 5th. It's probably the 6th. June 6th, 1975. We brought him home. Put him on the bed. There he was. Kind of scared, you know, because now we're responsible for this whole new life thing and all that. And um, as cute as he was, a little smelly, but cute, um, 
I didn't want him to stay like that. If, if you'd come to me at that point and said, Doug, what's your vision for your son? I would have never said, I want him to stay just like that forever and ever and ever. That would have been wrong. I looked at that little life who depended on us so much. I wanted him to grow up. I wanted him to become a man of God. I wanted him one day to to be able to take care of his own family. I wanted him to learn and, and to understand that there was a father in heaven who loved him. And I wanted him, I wanted him to be able to accomplish here on this earth what God created him for. That's what I wanted. I didn't want him to be a baby. I wanted him to grow up. Well, do you think your father's any differently with you? When you first come into that relationship with him, you're an infant, you're just a little child. He loves you dearly, but you know what he wants? He wants you to grow up. Now, Jason grew up, and he's a great man of God, and he doesn't depend on me that much. He asked me for a little advice. When we grow up in God, we're always going to be connected with him in a very special way, and we can't really do the things we're supposed to do without that relationship. It's a little different kind of growing up than Jason had to do, but it's still growing up. This is what Scripture says, talking about that that time that, that our Father has in the future. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and the craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, one of the reasons I wanted Jason to grow up is because I knew what he was going to be facing. I knew that he would just naturally kind of grow up. And as he got bigger and bigger and bigger, he's going to go out in that world. And if I didn't teach him how to deal with that world, he was going to get creamed. Our Father knows that when we come into that relationship as infants, we're going to be facing so many things. There's an enemy who hates us. There's a world that tries to pull us away. And as spiritual infants, we are not equipped to deal with it. As spiritual infants, if we stay there, we will fall. If, you, know how you, you know if you're a spiritual infant? Because you're constantly changing your mind about God, and you're constantly changing your idea about theology. Oh, this one sounds right, or this one sounds right, or that one sounds right. You're an infant. Because that's what he just said. Blown here and there by every wind and wave and deceitful scheming of men. And infants are, where they're easy targets for the cults of this world. Where the mature, strong. Yeah. There was a time when I was a spiritual infant that I could be tempted by all kinds of strange theologies. You know, promises that... People said God made, and I wanted to believe them because it just sounded so good. I'm spiritually mature now, still growing, but at least I can claim immaturity in those things. You can't tempt me with that now. You can't. You can't do that. I am strong and solid in my faith. Even when God doesn't act according to the way I think he's going to, I still trust him. It's called, as a matter of fact, by the way, God gets a little miffed if you don't grow up. Did you know that? Because many people stay spiritual infants. They do. And God's a little ticked at them. I still love you. It's okay. Parents get ticked at their kids. Still love them. God still has great things for you. But it doesn't mean he's not a little ticked off. Ready? Take a look at this passage right here. 
The writer to the book of Hebrews says this. We've much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're so slow to learn. That's never a good thing for God to say to you, okay? Um, just, you're a, no. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. He says, come on, guys, by this point in time, you, you should be farther along, all right? You're still like a baby, you've been doing this for years. What's the holdup here? That's why the Bible tells us this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone doesn't have them, he is nearsighted, blind, and has forgotten he's been cleansed from his past sins. We're supposed to grow up, and we're supposed to be adding in our life the righteousness and the faith and the belief, everything else, as we become stronger and stronger. They should all be increasing, and if they're not, somewhere, somehow, you got to age seven and stopped. And it's time to move on. Okay? That's why we put this second one, and it's so prominent. Yeah, we need to know God. But we need to grow as well. So here we go. How do we grow up? Okay, you ready? I grow up by exercising my spiritual muscles. Okay? Where is Charles? Charles, I warned you I might do this. Charles Nix, where are you? Come on up here, big guy. And I do mean big guy. Come on up. All right. Now, we're going to do a little, come on the way up here, all the way up here. Don't look up, okay? Just Everybody always looks up when they first do that, and you're blind, so look down. There you go. There you go. Now, I need a little sound here is what I need. There we go. Thank you. Charles, hi. Hello. Okay. I warned him just, okay, now, you guys, I'm going to give you rights today. When he leaves, I need you to stand in the foyer so people can go like this, okay? I just need them to, to make sure to verify, okay? This guy is one huge muscle, okay? Now, did you get this muscle by reading a book? You got a book, you sat down in your house, and you read several books, and when you were done reading the book, you had muscles, right? No. No. Amazing. How did you get these muscles? By hard work. What yeah. kind of hard work? Uh, physical pain and struggling and just grinding. Do you, do you work out at the gym? Yeah. Yeah, 24-hour fitness. 24-hour fitness. Pump, pump a little iron? Pump an, pump an iron. Okay, yeah. got it. And so when you... But it wasn't from reading. It wasn't from sitting. It was actually... No exercising these muscles yeah, and all the exercise. different muscles by the way there's there's more than just one exercise right yeah. because you had to i don't know you got your pecs and your tries and the biceps and all kinds of muscles right everyone had to be worked out correct yep and what happens if you stop working them you lose them how about that yep. so if you keep working them what happens they get stronger they get stronger they? and they get bigger and, and they, they get, get more bigger, defined more defined and if yep. you stop they get Gone, and Gone. you turn into someone like me, yep. right? There it is, exactly. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Don't do that. Gone. All right, you're done. Thank you, friend. Thank you. 
Actually, uh, most of my exercise has been cardiovascular. I ride a bicycle, but we just joined the Croc Center and uh, met with a personal trainer there. And, of course, they said, you know, the cardio is wonderful, but you need to start um, working muscle groups and building up some strength. And so a couple days ago, I started working on the, the leg things. And yesterday I went there and I was doing some arm things. And um, it hurts right now, i got to tell you. <laughs> if I'm up here smiling at you, it's only because... I can do this, but boy, my arms hurt and my legs hurt and it just hurts because these muscles just haven't been exercised in so long like that. And if I stop, if I only go once, then guess what? That's not going to do me any good. I have to keep it up. But we'll get to the nine second. Let's talk about the muscles that you have to exercise if you're going to grow. How about this first muscle right here? How about your faith muscle? you're going to grow in Jesus Christ, you better be exercising that faith muscle. How do you think you exercise your faith muscle? By sitting and reading a book? No. How do you exercise your faith muscle? You get to talk now. What? Prayer. Okay, good. What else? Share. Okay, what do you do? Okay, give your words to God. Very good. What else would you do? Witness is okay. What else would you do? How about this? Why don't you do something that is bigger than yourself? When was the last time you took on a task that was bigger than you could do? When was the last time within the church you, did, you said, you know, I can't do this, so I'm going to do it? Because, Father, I'm going to trust that you're going to give me the strength to do it. And as you do something like that, you exercise your faith muscle. And it hurts. But it grows. If all we ever do are the things we already know in advance we can do, you will never grow up in Jesus. Because Jesus is calling us to do things that are bigger than ourselves. To have vision that's bigger than ourselves. He's calling every church to do that. If all we do is sit around and do the things we know we can do, we will stagnate. We need to be stretched and to try the things that we know we can't. But our Father will help us get them done. That's your faith muscle. How about this next muscle? Ready? Your compassion muscle. Jesus was compassionate and loving. You have a compassion muscle, and many of our compassion muscles are beginning to atrophy. How would you exercise your compassion muscle? You get to talk again. What? what, what I heard one right over here. What was it? Helping someone in need. Why don't you hang out with the people who are hurting? When was the last time you spent any time with those people that, well, from a distance, we can look at them and go, oh, those people, they smell bad, or they can't do this, or, whatever, or they deserve what they're getting, or whatever it is. When was the last time you actually spent time with the lost, the hurting, and the broken. To hear their story. To understand that they're just like you. That yes, some of them are struggling because of decisions they've made, but that still means they need compassion. And many of them are suffering because of decisions that they, someone else made. Some of our homeless in the community aren't homeless because they're rotten people. Some of them are homeless because they got downsized. And when they got downsized, they were people of a certain age. 
My wife is an educator, a teacher, holds a master's degree in education. When she came here, when we got here 10 years ago, we made the conscious decision that that she would help in our children's department for the first five or six years, thinking that she can always go back and be a teacher because, I mean, they need teachers all the time. And then 2008 showed up. She finally got a job, by the way, at the end of that 2008 as a teacher. In 2009, what happened? Downsized. You bet. You think she can find a teaching job now? She's 60 years old. And you say, well, that's age discrimination. Yeah, it is. You're exactly right. It is. Well, it's illegal. Yeah, I know. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But she goes in for an interview. And a 25-year-old goes in for an interview. Guess who they take? There it is. Now, guess what? We're fine. Our father, we actually live on my salary. Her salary is salary put away. We play on it. We, We invest it. So she doesn't have to work at all. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in my life. But what if it wasn't that way? What if my wife didn't have, and we didn't as a couple have those resources, what if my wife was a single mom in that condition? You know what she'd be? Homeless. Because she's 60 years old. Do you have compassion for the people out there? If your compassion muscle has atrophied, exercise it. Go spend time with them. We've got the interfaith hospitality coming up real soon, don't we? My word. All those people, there will be at least four families here, homeless. Go hear their story. I tell you one of the most wonderful things I've ever heard from them when I met with them in the times we've had them before is the... uh, When they say to us, you know, we appreciate being here because some other churches, when we go, they look down on us for being homeless. And here you don't. We just want to hear your story. What's going on? How about another muscle? Here's another muscle that you can exercise if you want to grow up. It's called the generosity muscle. How do you think you would be able to exercise your generosity muscle? But give, and give a little bit more than you're able to, sure. Why don't you maybe, instead of giving what's left over, which isn't going to work really well, because let's face it, most don't have any left over. What if we say, you know, Father, I'm going to cut back in some area and I'm going to give. I'm going to deny myself something that I could purchase or I want or whatever I'm currently doing. I'm going to cut back and that's what I'm going to give. You exercise your, your generosity muscle by being generous by giving now i've already told you here this is a wonderful place to give this particular church right here i believe strongly in what we do i believe that in the ministries but if you don't that's okay i can live with that but but that doesn't mean keep it still give it away there's family building blocks there's all other places out there there's ministries all the way around the world give be generous but then do me the favor of, of anonymously, if you want to, send me an email saying, Dear Pastor, here's why I believe this place is worthy of my giving and the Salem First is not. What would it take for us to be worthy of your giving? What would it take for this church right here to be worthy of your generosity? Let me know that. Because maybe there's things going on that I'm not unaware of or some things we could do that maybe I haven't even thought of. But never use that as an excuse for not being generous. Give. 
exercise that muscle. There's another reason that you do that. Because as you exercise that muscle, there's a freedom. Some of us are so tied to our monies. They're in the way of our relationship with God. We have to be able to say, Father, I can let it go. You do that through exercising that muscle. All right. Here we go. Ready? Just moving on. I want you to remember this. As we're talking about growing and we're talking about exercising those muscles right here. I will grow best by doing what I am gifted to do. Write that down. It's so important. I will do best by growing through what I am gifted to do. You have been gifted with something. God called you and when he filled you, when he started that relationship, he gave you a gift you didn't have before. That gift is to be used right here within the church. When you do that, you're going to grow the absolute best. This is what the word says. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, prophesying means preaching, teaching. That's what a prophet did. It isn't foretelling the future. You want me to tell, foretell the tr- future? I can't. If you reject Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. If you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you go to heaven there. I just predicted your future. What you do with that's up to you. Okay? A prophet is one who proclaims. When I do this, I'm doing the work of a prophet. That doesn't mean I have the gift. Certain people are so gifted in their prophecy that it's incredible. Their preaching is phenomenal. My preaching is good, okay? You're not going to starve to death here. But when I do this, that's what I'm talking about, prophecy. Okay? Let him have, use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, some of you have the gift of service. That's what you do. Let him serve. If it's in teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage If it's in contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is mercy, let him do so cheerfully. You've got a gift. You have it. You've got to use it. That's where you're going to grow the absolute best. You cannot grow up until you find it and consistently use this gift that God has given to you. You know why? Get ready for this. Spiritual principle, really important. God will not give you more until you are faithful to what he's already given you. Okay? Fix that in your head. If you need to write that down, I don't care. God will not give you more till you are faithful with what he's already given. If he gives you this gift and you say, nah, I don't want to use that. I want something else. What do you think he's going to do? Oh, okay. That's all right. He says, you know what? This is what I gave you. You don't get any more till you learn to use this. Now, when you use this, there's so much more for you. But learn to be faithful in the little things. Learn to be faithful to what he's given. Then you can expect more from God. Now, how do you know? Here we go. How do you know what you are gifted to do? We're going to go over this quickly so that you can write this down and understand it. You have a gift. You have one. If you know Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God has given you a gift to be used within the church. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, yeah, you're right. You don't have that gift. You've got some natural talents which are really good. But if you know Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God actually came into your life and gave you something you didn't have before. Whatever gift that is, it's a spiritual gift, not a natural talent. How do you find it out? Well, first of all, you do this. You take class 301. Matt, you're going to teach them that next week, as a matter of fact. He's going to go over. It's going to be your shape. It's not just your gift. It's also your personality, and he's going to be able to help you understand what you're gifted to do. Some of you have no idea. Well, take that class next week and you'll learn it. How about this? Trial and error. Try it out. Just try a few things. 
volunteer for something and walk away and go, boy, that didn't work at all. Okay, not your gift. No big deal. Try something else. We've got children's ministries. We've got nursery. We've got toddlers. We've got teaching. We have uh, middle school and high school. We have senior adult ministries. We have people who, who serve. I have people who come into this church every single week, and all they do, and it's so wonderful. They clean the, the, the staff conference room. They vacuum everything, and they put it all away, and they clean the tables, and then, then one of them goes out, and, and, and they, they, they mow, and they spray some weeds, and that's what they do every single week faithfully. Thank God for people like that. Otherwise, I'd have to clean the conference room, and I don't like that. No. That's what they do. You didn't even know that, did you? Oh, we have so many people and so many things in this church. Find something. Try it. See what works. You know how you can tell if you found it? Well, how about this? Ready? You'll be most productive right there. When, when you're doing this, it isn't hard. You, you actually are very productive. Productive in your own growth. Productive in that ministry. People will come back and say, you know, boy, you did a really good job right there. Well done. That's probably one of your gifted areas right there. As more and more people say to you, look, that, you did that really, really well. Or how about this? This is where you're going to find the most joy. You're, you're going to enjoy it. It won't be a struggle. Okay? Now, I've told you before, my natural gifting is not to do this. My biggest fear growing up, number one fear growing up, was public speaking. So naturally, God called me to be a preacher. I hated public speaking. I mean, a phobia, a get sick and throw up kind of phobia if I had to get up in front of the class. Absolute stage fright. Absolutely. And this is what I do for a living. Because when my father saved me, he gave me a gift. And he said, now go do it. Now, it still makes me nervous. I still don't eat breakfast on Sunday morning because my nerves are... Okay, it never says my nerves went away. But I tell you what, I love to do it. And I'm thinking constantly about messages. I have, I have lists of things that, that my father wants to share with you for the next year, year and a half. I write them down everywhere. I love it. Scares me to death. But I love it. When you find the area you're gifted in, you will enjoy it so much. Find it. Grow in it. Use it. Exercise those muscles, those faith muscles, those compassion muscles, those generous muscles. Just find it. Do it. Don't give up until you find it. But remember this, like physical exercise, and this is what Charles, it has to be consistent and it has to be a priority. I told you the past couple days I've been working out with weights. What if I never work out with weights again? All I have is three days of misery to show for it. Right? But what if I go back and every day or every other day and I work some muscle groups, there will be some, I will never be Charles. But then again, Charles, I don't want to be. Is that all right with you? Okay, good. You don't want to be me, I don't want to be you. But the muscles will grow. The muscles will be strengthened if it's consistent. But to do that, I have to make it a priority. Meaning, I have to carve out, if I'm going to go back to the gym, I have to carve out an hour or so every day or two just to go do that. If you're going to grow in Jesus Christ, if you're going to exercise, it has to be a priority. You have to say, this is important. I will do it. This is what scripture says. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Many of us, we try a couple of things, it didn't work out, we go back, couch potato, spiritual couch potato, we don't grow. 
Didn't work out? Find something else. When you find it, don't give up. Keep going. Just a couple final things before we, we close this up this morning. You ready? How about this? But I also grow by doing what I'm not gifted to do. Don't fall into this trap, people. You find your gift and you never do anything else in the church again. Well, that's not my gift. You know, My gift is teaching children, so I don't have to do anything else because all I do is teach children. You know what happens if we do that? We, we get stuck. Yeah, we get that, that vision. We don't, we don't exercise all the muscles we really should do. Now, what I discovered, I discovered this a long time ago when I was uh, uh, starting the ministry and discovered that, you know, I'm thinking I'm a, I'm a preacher, a teacher, and I wound up um, cleaning the church and uh, cleaning overflowing toilets and mowing lawns and things like that. I thought, boy, this, this, this isn't what I was called to do. And even some of you have noticed that every now and then I come in here and I work as a handyman or I'm doing something out there and I've heard people say, boy, that's, that's not your job description. And the answer is, no, it's not my job description. You're right. I don't do it because it's my job description. What I used to say is, um, well, I do that because I'm a part of the church. This last week, I heard a better answer. This last week, all the staff here were, were at a seminar. It's a Wesleyan Holiness Seminar over at the Croc Center. And this one guy was talking about, the, uh, the speaker was talking about, just recently, he's pastor of a huge church in Honolulu, Hawaii. And um, there was water all over the floor in one of the bathrooms. Before the service, he grabbed a mop and he was mopping it up. And somebody walked into the bathroom and said, you know, pastor, you're going to be speaking. This church service is going to start in a little while. Let someone else do that. Why are you mopping this up? And here's what he said right there. It's good for my soul. Would you read that with me? It's good for my soul. You are gifted in mercy and you find yourself painting a wall in the Sunday school classroom. Well, why are you doing that? It's good for my soul. You are gifted in teaching, and you find yourself watching toddlers for an hour because no one else is available. Why are you doing that? It's good for my soul. Yes, there's an area you're gifted in, do it. But don't shy away from the other things that need to be done. Look around. Jump in wherever you can. Help. Last night, when we were all done with this incredible event, some of us were washing dishes, and I came in here, and I watched. There were people who were setting up chairs. You're sitting in these chairs. There were tables here last night. Someone was sitting, and it wasn't a staff person. It wasn't our janitor. It was other people in the church setting up chairs. And I know these people, and they're gifted leaders. And if I were to say to them, why are you setting up chairs? Well, we need the chairs. How about this? It's good for my soul. I'll set up some chairs. So here's a good line and we're done. Ready? We're talking about growth. Whenever I volunteer to help the kingdom, I am growing up. See, some of you might have thought that when we talked about know, grow, when we got to the grow, that's where we would talk about all of our classes. That's where we talk about our Sunday school. That's where we talk about our learning for life classes. Did you know we talked about those last week? Did you notice that? Today hasn't been about study at all or Bible memorization, or anything like that? You can memorize the Bible backwards and forwards and be a spiritual baby. Because growing up isn't what you know. Growing up is learning to be a responsible adult. It's what you do. So we move into just a time of uh, what we call Selah.
I'm going to invite Caleb, if he would come and lead our And what we're going to do, we give this to you just about every Sunday. We'll have the altars open. We have some prayer stations. We have communion available. And we serve open communion. You can be a first-time visitor, walk in here and receive the elements if you would want to. But here's the question then is we're going to give the Lord this time to speak to our hearts. First of all, are you growing? Let's, let's even back up from there. Let's talk to the first question. Do you know God through Jesus Christ? If you know God through Jesus Christ, we can, if you don't know God through Jesus Christ, then why don't you? What, what are you waiting for? Amen. Let's get this done. Let's start that relationship through faith in Jesus Christ and move on from there. But if you do know him, are you growing? When was the last time you exercised your faith muscle and you did something bigger than yourself? When was the last time you exercised your compassion muscle and actually got involved with people who were hurting? When was the last time you exercised your generosity muscle and you gave more than you were really able to? You, you denied yourself something to be able to give wherever you give it. Do you know where you, what your gifting is? Do you know where to serve? Let's give the Lord the next few minutes to speak to our hearts.